the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Good morning, money people. Money citizens. <laughs> I love the term citizens for people. I'm a wackadoodle. Markets were a little lower yesterday. Markets are a little higher today. Um, that whole good morning thing, which Robin Williams did in the movie Good Morning Vietnam, just reminds me, I didn't think Robin Williams was that funny. I think I'm one out of – there's one percent of Americans who didn't really like him. He just seemed coked up to me, which isn't funny. Well, it's You've never seen people on Coke. I don't know. I'm digressing. Pepsi was a big winner yesterday. They said they're raising prices, and they had a great quarter. Pepsi was a market leader yesterday. Blowout numbers, but we had blowout earnings reports in the second quarter. But we're comparing those blowout earnings at the same time. We're going, those are great numbers year over year. But we're also saying, man, that inflation read yesterday was hot. You want Goldilocks. You don't want hot. Goldilocks burglared the three bears and she tasted the hot porridge and burned her mouth. She tasted the cold porridge and it's like she got cold and porridge isn't good cold. She tasted the middle bit of the kids. She's like, this is just right. You don't want inflation over 4%. You don't want inflation under 2%, essentially. Pepsi said, we're going to raise prices 2 to 3%. And yet we saw consumer prices go up 5.4% yesterday for the uh, month. Big increase. But that's our summer of pent-up demand is what we're being told. And we are starting to see prices of used cars start to come down. Prices of gasoline have not started to come down. We need to see used cars and gasoline come down. That's the biggest area of inflation right now. We saw lumber shoot up, but we've seen prices come down there. So maybe the Fed's right. But we're seeing housing prices and stock prices at all times high, inflating higher and higher and higher. Investors didn't have much of a reaction to high inflation numbers. Strong earnings numbers from blue chip companies. We didn't really have a reaction to it, but we're at all-time high, so maybe some of it's built into the market. The U.S. federal budget deficit narrowed by 80% this June over last June, which reflects lower government spending and last year's delay in tax collection to July. The budget deficit for the entirety of 2021 is expected to be the second largest since 1945. Wow. And that's eclipsed only by last year. It takes wars or pandemics for us to spend like drunken sailors. Oh, what do we have here? What do we have here? What do we have here? Um, prices that plummeted earlier in the pandemic are starting to surge and catch up. So as we're looking at inflation, we saw you can go to Hawaii for like $99 this time last year. Now it's $499. So there's kind of some catch-up inflation that's happening too. Hotels, travel, seeing catch-up costs. 
when I started going back to restaurants, I noticed the menu prices were all a dollar, two dollars higher because they have to catch up on what now they're paying labor more. Prices are booming thanks to supply shortages. Used cars are the star of that category. If we can't get cars that are made in China or Japan over to the United States, there's fewer cars. And that says, wow, that that used car that's three years used looks kind of sexy. So we're willing to pay more for it. I'm not sure which one it is. It was either Ford or Toyota. They were talking about how a car that was two years old had already put 24,000 miles on it, was selling more for it when it was being sold brand new, two years previous. Wow. Rents are ratcheting up ever so slowly at a rate of 1.9% per month. That's not that slow when you add up 12 months. So we have inflation right now. Big time is a story. JP Morgan CEO, who I think is just, he's a fun quote machine. Now, I know there's different things in your life. Like, you're my buddy that I have fun with. And you're my my uh, my lover that I have the most intense love with. JP Morgan says some of the greatest things. He said yesterday, the house value is up. The stock value is up. Incomes are up. Savings are up. Confidence is up. Consumers, in his opinion, are raring to spend more this summer, which is great news for J.P. Morgan because they have a credit card business. But the company's trading revenue dropped as the economy opened back up. Goldman Sachs CEO had a great quote. He said, quote, obviously, if there was some sort of disruption or an economic slowdown sometime in the future, that would wear on confidence and slow that. But that doesn't seem likely. Talking about consumer confidence and how there's an army of unicorn companies ready to go public and cash in on demand for investment banking. PepsiCo CFO said, quote, this quarter, all of a sudden people started going out. In food service, we saw the business double in a relatively short period of time. So the CEO quotes yesterday or the executive quotes. Fantastic. Very insightful. Apple. Oh, boy. Apple hit an all-time high yesterday. And as I open up the stock pages today, it's continuing that. Now, they've underperformed, as a lot of big tech companies have this year. But now they're starting to outperform. And yesterday, when the markets were a little bit loosey-goosey, um, we went back towards big tech. So pushing some names like Apple to new fresh all-time highs. It didn't hurt that Apple had a couple announcements yesterday and a couple this morning. This morning they said we're asking for iPhones being sold this year that have not been produced yet. We're expecting to produce 20% more. We're asking our suppliers to ramp up. That's pretty impressive. There's already over a billion iPhones in the world being used. That's a good install base. I was listening to some narrative on Peloton. Who's going to acquire Peloton? Because now that the pandemic's over, they're, you're the sexiest choice to work out at home, Peloton. Now we have other options, like going to gyms for now. And the thesis was Nike will buy them 
because Nike's in that business, but they're not. Apple's in that business. Peloton has an operating system, essentially. Apple has an operating system. And if you work out on your Peloton one hour a day through Apple, Apple just got you on the phone before you worked out, got you on their their machine while you're working out, going to get you back on the phone after you work out. Apple would gain more than Nike would. And for Nike, it would be a third of their company to acquire somebody like a Peloton. They don't want to do that. It's it's a great thought. But it's not their vertical. It's Apple's. So that's out there. And then this more, uh, yesterday, Apple, today they increased production 20%. But yesterday they announced with Goldman Sachs they're launching a buy now, pay later, which is wildly popular. A lot of people like to experience things now, pay for it later. Um, Apple's products are increasingly more and more expensive. And they've got pro versions of the iPad, pro versions of the phone. Do I want to get the stick or do I want to get the pro? Because I'm a status symbol guy, I want to get the pro. I couldn't afford it. Apple, did that lead to buying a car? Whoa. Did I just drop that on you? You can find me online at Rob Black Show. Rob Black Show. I work with EP Wealth. You can learn more about them at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Pokemon Card Frenzy is alive and well. I've got a son who is into collecting them, and I'm okay with it. I'd prefer he collects non-fungible tokens, but... That's fine. If he reads, if he gets fascinated by it, if it's a passion, I just want my kids to have passion. And uh, again, I hate it. Just throwing that down there for you. I grew up overseas, so I never really had baseball cards. Um, I don't have to go into a long story about that, but there's assets, there's cash, there's stocks, there's bonds, there's real estate. Um, there's jewelry, commodities. Hard commodities like diamonds, liquid commodities like oil, soft commodities. Uh, there's animal commodities like you can go out and own a hogs, a hog, and that'll be tied towards your bacon futures. And a hog has got two bellies, so you're buying the belly, right? And the most expensive thing about bacon, bacon's prices are going up, right? The most expensive thing about bacon, well, the drought's not helping. Because feeding those pigs costs money. And typically when you have rain, it helps you know, food grow. But refrigeration is a bit. So stocks, bonds, real estate, jewelry, commodities, maybe um, rare cars, but trading cards as well. And last year what we learned was trading card sales climbed crazy as people were stuck at home, sometimes quarantined, not leaving the house. Trading card sales climbed a record 142% on eBay last year. So far in the first quarter of this year, they're up 1,046%, led by Pokemon. Now, what's interesting about that is that's back in 2020, that was one, that was five cards a minute being sold on eBay. Something's only worth something if you could sell it. Like right now, if you think your house is worth an all-time high, it probably is, depending on what city you live on and what location you're in. Location, location, location is very important. Um, 
square footage in many cities across America are at all-time highs. And we see that in the real estate reports. We see that in the, um, the data. But your home isn't printed. There's not a sign in front of it that says $1,200 a square foot. Oh, it's down to 1100 I better sell. Same thing with Pokemon cards. You don't really know what you have in the box or the pack until you go out and price it. Now there's a big thing with venture capitalists rushing out. Uh, Peter Thiel, billionaire, kind of a weirdo in my opinion. I don't know if that's cool or not. He just, I think he's kind of outrageous at times. And that's okay. I think Bill Ackman is too. And I'm okay with outrageous, especially when you're a billionaire. I'm not so sure I want to go to space as a billionaire, but you get the idea where I'm going out with this. So Peter Thiel came out with a, a business called Collectbase, which is basically software that allows you to scan your card. It'll price it. It'll organize it. It'll track the value of the card. You could actually track Pokemon cards on your phone now. This became a, a sensation a couple years ago when we watched Logan Paul box. Um, not Logan Paul box. <laughs> Floyd Mayweather. But Logan Paul came out with Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match wearing a $1 million mint condition Charizard card on a diamond encrusted necklace. Um, I guess that was when he boxed Floyd Mayweather. That's weird to think about. And you're like, a million dollar mint condition card? Yep. And a couple months before that on YouTube, he went out and bought sealed box sets of Pokemon packs for upwards of $300,000. He then opened them live. He auctioned off individual packets for as much as $1 million a pop. He created this weird ripple effect through the Pokemon economy. There was Reaganomics, right? Every president gets some sort of economy named after them, but there's Poke economy too. Overnight, because Logan Paul did this, value of cards doubled or tripled. Influencers moved the markets. I wish that wasn't true. It is. I don't get Logan Paul. I know someone will sit down and explain, but let me let me finish the phrase. I don't get the Kardashians. There's there's many uh, influencers I don't get. Olivia Jade I get. I've watched a couple of her videos. Beautiful young woman who tells other beautiful young or young people how to wear makeup like her. When she goes out of that click or out of that circle, it gets uncomfortable. But I get influencers. I get it. I've got a cousin who's trying to be an influencer. <laughs> Let's just say she's not very good at it. She's tall. She's really tall. And she's Israeli, so she's got um, really beautiful skin. So she's got the makings of an influencer. It's just, it's not working. It's not bringing home the bacon. Talking about bacon. So Pokemon, the Pokemon Go, the augmented reality game, pulled in over $5 billion to date, a billion dollars last year during the pandemic when people were locked up, not going to parks, still pulled in a billion dollars. It's a huge cultural trend and a huge uh, nostalgia play for millennials. Pokemon's been around since 1996. It's a pair of video games for Nintendo's Game Boy. And for the franchise, it's bought in, brought in tens of billions of dollars. Earlier in the show, I was talking about Apple buying Peloton. I'd rather Apple buy uh, Pokemon. Uh, I don't think it'll be Nike buying Peloton. I think it'll eventually be Apple, but at what price? They like the subscription model. They want to keep you on their operating system, watching TV with their fitness app. I get it. So someone's going to move in before they do. I don't know. That's going to be a big, expensive acquisition.
But if anyone can make cool-looking devices, it's Apple, right? So back to Pokemon. It got so crazy last year. We were hearing stories, like in Japan, that kids were dressing up as ninjas, breaking into apartment stores' roofs, and, and sliding down in the middle of the night, stealing packs of cards. In the United States, there was armed robbery of children who had came out of the store with cards. I've said it once. I've said it before. That's a horrible type of criminal. The worst kind to steal from a kid. And then I was like, nah, I think child molesters worse. Dante's nine levels of hell. Yeah, there's probably worse. Uh, the Inferno. Brutal read. Brutal read. If you ever have to go back and read old English lit. Ugh, I could do without the Inferno. So where do I go with this? Um, who would have thought, who would have uh, known? I'm going to get that app that Peter Thiel has. I'm going to give it to my kid. I'm going to say, go go scan your cards and start learning about the value of money. I don't like the, uh, the he literally opens, he's like, oh, this is a $40 card. I'm like, do you know that to be true? And I don't think he does. It's only $40 if you actually go out and sell it. And that's one of the things that Peter Thiel's doing with select base. Again, I don't know if I'm pulling this off when I'm explaining this to you. Silicon Valley is investing hundreds, no, not tens of million dollars in venture capital right now in tracking Pokemon cards, trading cards, a little side business on the home. I know people who go out and buy uh, baseball card packs now uh, at auction. And there's a thing about opening them on the internet, which I don't get. But I go with it because there's a lot of it out the internet that I do in my life that you probably don't get. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. That's Rob Black Show. You can find uh, me with EP Wealth through Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things on NFL money investing. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So my workday is kind of odd. One of the things I do at the end of my workday is I scan things to see what I missed. I was going through briefing.com yesterday, and I was looking at some IPOs that are coming up. They've got a section called The Next Big Thing. And they talk about IPOs, and they even rate them or rank them. Um, and I found a company that's coming public that I didn't know about, uh, drug delivery and diagnostics company. There's a popular fitness company, F45, did a little bit of reading. But then I start my day as well, reading briefing.com as I ended it yesterday in the IPO section, um, talking a little bit today about what's happening on Wall Street with us. Patrick O'Hare, author of the page one column in briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing fine. Thanks. Good to be with you. Um, last I checked, and I haven't checked in 30 minutes, record highs again. <clears throat> Markets are doing their thing, so to speak. Um what are, where are we at now? Well, you can throw out some of your uh, page one if you want and get us caught up to, on what we need to know. Yeah. I, well, I mean, the, the market, and we kind of talked about this for weeks now, months, years. <laughs> the trend is the market's friend until it isn't. And really, the, the market is not, uh, while there's, you know, the talk of peak growth, peak inflation, peak policy support in the mix, I think it's calibrating that even if you're coming off the peak, you know, you're not going to fall off a cliff, so to speak. You know, you're still going to be pretty high up in terms of economic growth, right? Um, you know, 
the, the Fed's looking for a 3.3% change in real GDP um, next year, and that's still above the 10-year average of 2.3%. Um, you have um, you know earnings growth, right? We're looking at 64% year over year in the second quarter, uh, extremely high. That's not going to be repeated, but you know, you drop off to what, you know, like 35%. So it's, it's, which is still pretty great. And, you know, when you look at policy support, right, you know, you pretty much have it all in right now. And, you know, you had Fed Chair Powell say this morning that, look, we're still see substantial further progress. It's still a ways off, which the market takes to mean that any true tightening policy uh, action is still a ways off too. But let's just say for the sake of argument, that at Jackson Hole in August, they come out and they say that they're going to taper asset purchases, right? We're running at $120 billion a month, split $80 billion toward treasuries, $40 billion toward agency mortgage-backed securities. So what if they come down to $80 billion, right? That's a heck of a lot of money still that they're going to be doing, you know, allocating toward the purchases of treasuries and, and agency mortgage-backed securities. So you're not really tightening policy so much as you're just removing a little bit of the dovish accommodation. And I think that the market itself still recognizes that market rates are low, policy rates are low, and uh, and they're still abiding by the whole TINA trade. That is that there is no alternative when you have interest rates remaining at these persistently persistently low levels. And uh, the great paradox to this is that you're it's happening in the face of some really hot inflation data right so stocks are seen somewhat as an inflation hedge but you know they're kind of getting the best of uh, both worlds right now with low interest rates and an inflation hedge and money keeps coming into the stock market in my first hour of radio this morning i talked about how japan had basically a great decade in the 80s and 90s where they're buying a lot of buildings in the united states because they couldn't buy buildings in their own country anymore because things went so crazy um, I kind of feel we're seeing a parallel to Japan where we have an aging society similar, but not completely to what Japan had. And it, Japan ended badly with lost decades of no GDP growth, problematic uh, paying their bills. Um, last week, I hear more and more conversation. The Fed has a problem. They have kept interest rates low. Stocks have gone higher because of it. Stretched valuations. And home prices are hitting all-time highs again and again and again, and it, it's getting frothy. Um, does this end badly, or is there a way to engineer a soft landing from such amazing push in stock prices and real estate prices? Um, you, you, don't, have, you don't have to be definitive. You can say in theory. Right. Well, I think you have some historical reason to believe that it does end badly. Um, you know, when the cost of capital is next to nothing and you get, as you talked about, leading things off here, you have, you know, a flood of IPOs now starting, you know, hitting the market and you're going right. to keep getting, you know, more companies coming in. Um, you, uh, you know, you have asset price inflation that's driven by kind of what, you know, what we just mentioned is that with rates so low, you know, there's this idea that you, you know, if you want to beat inflation, you can't be sitting in cash. You know, I think the local uh, bank, their savings account, I think what pays like two one hundredths of a percent <laughs> of interest on a nominal basis. So factor in inflation rate, you know, what we're seeing these days, you're losing five percent a year just to keep your money in, in cash at the bank. Um, so, 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 you know, it, 
you kind of are almost forced into the stock market. And at, at some point, yeah, the music stops. I don't know what the, the, the catalyst would be exactly. I don't think any of us do. You can make a case that inflation uh, will ultimately become that catalyst if it proves not to be transitory. And then the Fed feels like they have to play catch up and, and start raising rates pretty aggressively. That's not going to sit well with the market, certainly, uh, which has come to rely on, on the persistence of low interest rates. I don't know, maybe, you know, with all of the, the debt that's building up, uh, you know, that the so-called bond vigilantes come back into play, right? And just, you know, demand a higher rate of interest to take on, you know, the repayment risk. I, it's just, it's just hard to say. Uh, but I, I think that there's enough uh, historical precedent to say that when, when, you know, when rates, when money is so cheap, um, it, it can get misallocated. And uh, whether it's a geopolitical shock or a commodity price shock or an interest rate shock, uh, the reaction when that shock hits will be outsized, just like the gains have been. Um, so, so you do have to be mindful of that. But the market, you can tell right now, is just continuing to uh, kind of play things close to the vest, ride things along here as long as the music keeps playing. And, and that's why you have the major industries still hitting record highs, albeit on somewhat narrow leadership. I like doing the show in a very honest form. So I want to tell you an antidotal story that tells me things are problematic. It's about me. I sold 5% of my Apple shares last year, um, basically a little bit last year, a little bit this year that I had accumulated over the last previous 20 years. And I just paid for a $3 million house in cash. Mm. And I keep saying to my spouse, I'm like, this is the craziest thing I've ever done. How did this happen? Like, how do I have this much wealth? And I'm scratching my head. And yet it is what it is. Um, and in the today's page one column, and again, Apple's in a new all time high. So that 5% I sold, I maybe I shut it off. But Apple's planning to with its iPhone production for, uh, the new model this year by 20%. And you also talked about the halo effect on how other people like Skyworks and Qualcomm, I'm not even thinking about the other other players. I'm thinking about that one holding of mine, even though I own Qualcomm. And then Apple said today that you can buy now and pay later. This has to end badly. When people start losing their jobs and they can't pay installment two, three, and four on their phone, doesn't this end badly? Right. Uh, yeah. I, you know, Apple is an interesting uh, case. You know, you sit there, it's got a $2.5 trillion market capitalization, which is, is just hard to believe, you know, yeah. frankly. And you do have to wonder, you know, when the law of large numbers just, you know, catches up. You know, Apple is, you know, it's growing, but it's not, it's not, quote, a growth stock. It's just a, it's a, it's a financial fortress is what it is. And I agree. And it's become it's becoming a, a safety trade, right? People are, are running to the likes of Apple and Microsoft because, you know, they know that um, they can still get, a, you know, a, a dividend yield there that yeah, it's nothing's extraordinary, but, um, you know, it, it's, you know, competitive versus treasuries. Uh, it's more than what you're going to get in a savings account. And, and you could potentially get, you know, capital appreciation too. But, um, it, you know, it, 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 it does, you know, raise concerns and not just Apple specifically, but kind of, you know, when you see what's going on in, in the housing market, right? When, you know, mortgage rates have been so low and you get these, 
massive year-over-year price increases that are exceeding the uh, pace of income appreciation. You know, you do have to wonder at what point when, you know, these prices run up so much, when are the banks going to push back and say that, you know, these appraised values are not, you know, we're not going to lend against these appraised values because the price appreciation has been so great, you know, and then, and then, you know, perhaps then you see the housing market really come off the boil when the banks start to push back on, on that. But just been a, you know, huge run in those prices. And it does give you some cause for concern that, you know, the housing market, uh, you know, would theoretically would like to see cool off here because you just can't maintain that same type of price appreciation without some really, I think, um, detrimental effects that would kick in down the road uh, when that price bubble pops. And for the record, I'm selling a primary house to buy a second house. It's not all Apple shares, but um, we've got 30 seconds. Any last thoughts that you can close this uh, segment with? Well, we, you know, we have talked a lot about interest rates, and it was interesting. I was out with uh, several bond fund managers earlier in the week, and I think you know, uh, we made they made some good points. We're obviously talking the market, and you know, one of the primary points was that we talked about interest rates. Is just this idea when you look at the fact that yields are negative, right, in Germany and Japan, um, and while our rates are low on a nominal basis, they still have an ability to you know to create a hedge that give them positive return and and they'll take it all day long, kind of irrespective of what might, what the Fed might do to upset the apple cart in the United States is that if if rates are positive here, you're going to continue to get a lot of money flowing in from foreign buyers that could kind of keep rates restrained despite what the Fed might do to, you know, despite a tapering, you know, perhaps leading to a, to an uptick in interest rates, but a lot of demand there, obviously. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So let's get through some stories pretty fast and furious here. Wrap up the hour. Bumble, an online dating app, is opening a restaurant to help people date in real life again. It's kind of a fascinating concept of... I don't know if that's a good one. Yeah, I get that you're getting press from me for free right now. But Bumble tries to be the classy dating app. I once said on air, and I can't say things like this anymore, I said Match.com is the biggest database of sexual tra- sexually transmitted diseases in America. As a joke. It's a joke. It's humor. Um, don't even get me involved in Tinder. There's a horribly cruel video on YouTube called Tinderella, um, which I think is being begged to be made into a movie. But Bumble's the classy one, and they're trying to say, hey, meet for breakfast, meet on Bumble, then meet at breakfast at one of our eateries, wine bar, restaurant, cafe, what have you. I don't know if that vertical's going to work. It just doesn't make a lot of sense for me. I saw a great report yesterday that it's tough to tell people to do this. Economists are saying that prospective home buyers sh- are going to face low supply and you should just sit on your hands and wait. We don't have enough homes to meet demand and builders are struggling to keep up. Economists see price growth cooling in 2022, but only if construction picks up and demand holds steady. That starts getting into behavioral finance of can you wait a year? And what happens if you wait a year? So I don't like that one at all. Um, it just feels weird asking people to do that. Or do you chase? Clearly the wise 
the laws invested would say, don't chase. Wait for inventory to go up. But that's not really happening. Um, the home that I bought, this is funny. The I bought a home this month. The second bidder came back to the buyer and said, if you cancel the contract with the guy who won, I'll pay $200,000 more. And they couldn't do it legally. There was a problem with that. I'm like, I should put the home on the market right now. Because um, if they're willing to pay the broker, they're willing to pay me. Um, anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Amazon said they've acquired Facebook satellite internet team. Facebook's given up on satellite internet. So now it's down to two. Amazon and SpaceX. Elon Musk's. Uh, space venture. Interesting, right? I don't know if that's fascinating to you, but it's fascinating to me. Um, right. Apple's about to hit $150 a share. Uh, wow. I'm just watching that and just going, wow, this is out of control. If you own shares in a good way, out of control. If you don't own shares in a bad way. $2.47 trillion market cap. Taking a look at the market today, we have green. It's not aggressive. NASDAQ's up one half of 1% based on Apple, leading the pack. Dow Jones Industrial Average is up fractional, 64 points. And the S&P 500's up one-third of 1%. Um, money investing in more, that's what the show's all about. Make sure you tell friends we have a new podcast that sounds awesome. I'm actually kind of proud of it. Before, it was just the radio show. Now, it's a. it sounds like a podcast, with me sometime this week we're gonna have a new website at rob black show we're waiting for the domain to switch on for some reason it's going through an incredibly long transfer progress to progress but that's gonna happen and uh you'll be able to get copies of the show copies of the podcast copies of my tv uh, work uh downloadable articles all good stuff bank of america wells fargo city group and block rock black rock BlackRock all exceeded earnings expectations. Little mixed, re- little mixed reactions to it. So the market is dealing with mixed reactions to higher inflation numbers yesterday. Great earnings so far, but it's about what do you say in the future? Because as Patrick O'Hare just said, we're not going to see sixty percent earnings growth year over year until there's another bad situation like a pandemic or the two thousand eight financial crisis. Delta and American Airlines are both higher today. Delta exceeded second quarter estimates, and its CEO said it's it isn't seeing any demand shortcomings related to the Delta variant of COVID. So people aren't panicking. People aren't saying, you know, I'm not going to take my flight. People are still taking their flights. America, meanwhile, said it expects to report a smaller than expected loss for the second quarter, and that it will see a daily cash build for the first time since the start of the pandemic. Um, what else is there out there to hit on today? Apple's hitting all-time highs. They're ringing Skyworks and Qualcomm along with them. That is kind of a halo effect. Microsoft continues to push higher, leading the markets as well. Um, S&P 500 sets another all-time high. Producer price index data for June was hotter than expected. But long-term rates are dropping, which doesn't make sense. And when you hear people like me say, that doesn't make sense, be careful. Because history repeats itself on Wall Street more often than it should. What happened in Japan in the 80s and 90s with the go-go, they could do no wrong. 
their their Federal Reserve messed it up. That could happen with us. Ten-year Treasury sits at 1.3%. That's telling you there's a weak economy out there. Um, but we're not seeing it in the S&P 500 hitting all-time highs. Just again, work through with this. There's no right answers. There's just compromises. I'm not trying to be a guru or a Buddha. I'm not telling you to go bet on horse four. Bet on horse four. Of every first race of the horse race, and you win, just like me. Of course, that's sarcasm. Um, a little mixed reaction in the bank earnings. Now, I want to go back to that real quick because I have just very little time. The bank earnings, to me, is important to look at because they're the bedrock foundation of our economy from up until 2000. And really, then big tech took over that. In the 90s, you had to own big big banks. They were they were in the 1990s. You made money hand over fist owning names like Citibank, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley. Now you're doing it with Apple, Google, Facebook, Amazon. Different economy, right? Yeah, things do change. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Subscribe to any of those. I would appreciate it.